You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. While the commercial airline industry continues to struggle, small private jet bookings are at or near their pre-pandemic highs. Untethered to their homes and offices during the pandemic, the wealthy have been flocking to vacation homes and ski resorts and paying handsomely to avoid commercial flights. One private jet company looking to soar above a crowded field is Aero Technologies, a newly launched luxury travel service from Uber co-founder Garrett Camp. Aero positions itself as a semi-private first-class travel company committed to making air travel more of an experience rather than a journey from A to B. My guest today on the luxury item is Uma Subramanian, the CEO of Aero. Subramanian joined as CEO of Aero in 2019 from Airbus, where she launched Voom Flights, an on-demand urban air mobility service operating helicopters in some of the world's densest cities. She has 20 years of experience at the intersection of aerospace and technology. Subramanian holds an undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering from the University of Michigan and an MBA from Harvard. Aviation is her expertise. Welcome to the luxury item, Uma. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for coming. You know, first, I have to congratulate you on the recent launch of Aero in the U.S. And on top of that, you recently raised $20 million in Series A funding. The good news keeps on coming. (laughs) So, you know, there's no denying that, you know, going private is the air travel method of choice for those with means, especially in these days of COVID-19. And at the same time, it seems there are more private aviation companies that are kind of joining this party with various business models. So if you could explain to my listeners what Aero is and what was the gap in the private aviation market that needed to be filled? Yeah, uh, great question. So, so Arrow um, is the brainchild of a guy called Garrett Camp, who was the co-founder of Uber. Right. Um, and Garrett's whole life has been devoted to solving problems um, that are not super obvious, but uh, when you actually dig back the surface, um, are really important. So, so his first business, Stumble Upon, was about making internet search kind of more discoverable. Uh, and then Uber obviously was about making ground transportation more accessible. Um, and it started with a with a premium luxury product. Um, so the kind of thesis behind Aero um, is that business and first class travel is highly, highly commoditized. Uh, you have basically a cattle class experience, um, like bar a few experiences like Emirates uh, first class or, or Virgin Atlantic upper class. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a pretty commoditized experience, particularly um, for kind of regional travel. So in Europe, um, the first class experience, you know, they put a table over the middle seat of a coach configuration and it's, it's kind of crappy. Uh, and then in the US, um, some of the Transcon products um, like JetBlue Mint or Americans 3 Class A321 are really nice products, but, but then you could also end up in a seven, in like a 20 year old 767 with like the seat barely reclining, right? right. So it's a very mixed bag. So that product is really commoditized. And so what he noticed is that like people are spending inordinate amounts um, of money to go and have these like magical experiences, um, you know, that maybe they go to the Amangiri in Utah and then they're like spending $2,700 a night. And then they're like frantically on Expedia looking for the lowest cost fare to Salt Lake City and then renting a car in Hertz and driving. So yeah. there's just this like big disconnect, right? At the other extreme is private aviation and private is um, extremely, extremely expensive and largely inaccessible, but to the kind of 
most uh, to the top, call it 0.1%. And so in between is a gap, a gap of people who would be willing to pay a little bit more for a radically better experience, but want a radically better experience. They want air travel to be something magical that they don't have to suffer through um, again. And so I, um, my background is that I have spent 20 years in aviation. I don't come from the luxury um, world, but mm -hmm. I was most recently CEO of a company at Airbus that looked at urban air transportation as an alternative to ground travel. Right, that was while Boom, was, right? That was Boom. Right. And while I was there, I had a really, really good look at a lot of operators. Um, and I learned how how people make money in aviation. And, and I thought a lot about like, what do the economics need to look like and, and how do they shake out? So the question you asked me was about the gap in the space. Um, and fundamentally, a lot of people have tried to solve this problem, but they always try and solve this problem with business jets, right? So like very, very expensive assets that where the OEM, the original equipment manufacturer spends tens of billions of dollars certifying a new platform. And then they sell like a hundred of them. So then they have to make back all of that investment on the aftermarket. And so the ownership cost of those of those aircraft is really um, are really high. And so we are taking so Aero is trying to solve this problem. We're building a super premium semi private air travel brand um, with a very smart kind of low cost asset strategy on the back end. So we we fly regional aircraft, um, which we've reconfigured to look like beautiful um, first in business class private airplanes. So uh, so the for your customers, particularly in this luxury segment, a great model would be something like, um, a great parallel would be something like the Ace Hotels, where mm -hmm. they buy hotels that are run down in like kind of hip areas, and then they reconfigure them to be this like super premium, slightly, um, slightly cool asset, right? So it's a similar strategy in aviation. Right. And, and I, I was reading an article that Garrett had said that, you know, we believe a life well lived is not, not about getting from A to B. It's about getting the most from the entire journey. So how are passengers getting the most of that entire journey at Aero? Yeah, so our experience is super high touch. So at Aero, we fly from private terminals. So it feels like flying private. It's a shared jet, but it feels like flying private. Um, the, the aircraft have been meticulously designed. We've thought through every touch on the aircraft. Um, so they just look and feel um, like a beautiful premium product. And then the service is very high touch. So we have a concierges and they will be with you through the entire duration of your journey. From the time you book, you'll hear from them uh, through to the time you land um, at, at your destination. And we do all kinds of things for our customers. We arrange ground transport, we arrange hotels and villas, and we arrange, you know, we've ended up like arranging reservations at the French Laundry for some uh, for some customers. So we're a very high touch service, um, but we're like a pretty capital efficient business on the back end. It almost seems like the business model or the, the customer service model, I should say, of like the Ritz Carlton or the Four Seasons. That's exactly it. Right. So it's the or the Amman is another great example, right? It's like the service model of that. Um, but with but the thing we do is instead of providing accommodation, we we um, we fly you to your destination. You know, and now that we're thankfully moving out of the post-COVID times, you said in Business Insider that you think that Aero has built the perfect solution for the post-COVID world. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so on the back of COVID, there's kind of three major trends, right? The first is people want to avoid large airports. Um, they want to fly direct point to point, and they want to fly in smaller factor airplanes with fewer people. 
um, particularly people of means. Um, and so we happen to fly 16 seat aircraft from private terminals directly to your leisure destinations. And Aero is deliberately a leisure carrier, right? So we're, we're very focused on the leisure traveler and taking people on their premium leisure journey. So, so that's what we're doing. Um, we're really focused on, on kind of getting you where you wanna go in the most expedient way possible. So our first you know, route in the US is LA to Aspen. Aspen is notoriously one of the hardest airports in the US to serve, but we felt it was really important to take our customers where they actually wanna go, which is they wanna go to Aspen. So take them to Aspen um, and figure out the logistics on the back end from there. So that's, that's how we thought about the problem. So why did you pick Van Nuys Airport yeah, Van Nuys is the private airport for Los Angeles. Um, right. and so we we operate with, uh, we're not a scheduled airline. We are a um, kind of charter operator. So we operate, we're able to operate out of Van Nuys um, and we have you know full permission to, to do that. So we, we thought Van Nuys was really great. It's the private airport uh, in LA um, and it's the one that has the runway that's long enough. Santa Monica is not quite long enough. Um, and so that's why we picked it. And it really resonates with our customers who, who kind of live in the, um, you know, in the hills slash Hollywood, right. slash, um, West LA areas. From what I understand, Arrow has since expanded to Jackson Hole, Wyoming and Sun Valley, Idaho. Yeah, we, um, we actually launched a route to Napa in May um, and we'll be launching flights to Jackson and Sun Valley in June and July, respectively. Um, we're really excited about those routes. They are kind of similar to the Aspen customer people that, you know, have a refined taste for uh, nice places. Uh, Jackson Hole became an escape for people that live in LA. So we're really excited about Jackson as a destination. Uh, so Aero started with private charter flights across Europe in 2020 with service connecting Ibiza to Mykonos. Any other destinations in Europe when back in 2020? Was that the only one? Uh, we also served uh, London and Nice, um, and so we served them on basically a triangle. So London, Ibiza, Mykonos, and Nice. Um, we we select our destinations kind of very deliberately, right? Um, these are leisure destinations that premium travelers want to go to, and so eventually, when as we scale, we'll add places like Olbia, Naples, um, other kind of destinations. Milan is a really interesting origin and destination, so you can expect us to to kind of show up there too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a very interesting, Europe is a very interesting market because, um, the, the travel patterns are so predictable. Like, you know, when people are going to go on holiday, it's like, it, whereas the U S there's more variability. Um, Europe is a really interesting, very predictable market. Right. What, what did you learn about the customers who were flying in Europe that informed you, uh, the U S strategy? Yeah. So in the summer of 2019, when we ran our first kind of alpha test, we flew um, in between Ibiza and Mykonos, and a lot of customers who um, were, you know, in the music industry, and so a particularly influential demographic. And so when we launched last summer, we assumed that's who our customer was going to be, and it turned out to be totally different. We ended up flying a lot of families, and we ended up flying a lot of folks um, that had that, you know, that it was a slightly older demographic. It was a um, kind of refined second home demographic and that's been really influential for how we think about destinations in the US we serve a lot of folks that have second homes that they want to go to from densely populated areas like London and London and LA 
you know, when uh, when Garrett started Uber, it changed how we order meat and pay for rides. And we're now actually starting to see this Uberization of jet bookings too. So does Arrow also have a mobile app and what role does it play in the whole experience? Uh, we did have a mobile app. We're in the process of rethinking our mobile app um, because it turned out that most of our passengers book um, on web, which is really interesting. Hmm. Um, so the, the role and the reason for the web app is having a, a whole rethink. Um, I think maybe because air travel specifically is more is more of a deliberative purchase, whereas the things you buy on mobile um, oftentimes are more sort of impulse purchases. Um, but there is a role. And so in, in five years time, Arrow has done what it set out to do if people ask the question, where is Arrow going? And I want to go with Arrow, right? So we become a destination brand and we're able to kind of curate opinions. And so you will see a lot more from us on the digital front where we really use the digital product to um, inspire and to, and to like inspire people to make certain buying decisions and certain travel decisions. And that's where I think the opportunity really is with the mobile app. You know, you were saying before, um, you know, before you were at Aero, you were CEO of Voom. Um, that was Airbus's helicopter service. What lured you over to Aero that sounded so compelling? And when you first joined, like, what were you immediately tasked to do? Yeah, so, um, so I, uh, when I was at Airbus, I thought a lot about how to actually, aviation is a very, very hard business, right? It is not for the faint-hearted. Um, you are setting fire to jet fuel and you are uh, fundamentally, you have such a high fixed cost base, right? And it's just a very, it's a very tough business. So I was looking a lot at like um, what, um, what airlines were doing and how they make money um, and how do they actually, uh, how are they actually viable? Um, and so we, um, so we did a lot of a lot of that. And so when I was when I was talking initially to Garrett, he's like, I want to solve this problem. I was like, I think I have an idea for how to solve it. Um, but it requires you to actually become the operator, right? And like Uber is asset light, but right. in this business, you have to be the operator and you have to own assets, which is you know fundamentally very different. But if you can win on the brand side, you can do a lot there. So so that's how we kind of thought about the problem. I was really excited. Uh, brand building is not my expertise. My expertise is aviation. And so like being able to work with like the expa team um, and just like learn a lot about brand building was really great. So as the world emerges from the coronavirus pandemic and travel is starting to show signs of strong rebound, how do you plan on gaining new customers? Yeah. So one of the um, joys of being a startup is that we are, um, we are not like Lufthansa, right? We don't have tons and tons and tons of fixed infrastructure. We're starting from scratch. So we are hitting the market at a really exciting time when, when customers are really interested in something new and differentiated. Um, and we have an opportunity to like go and reach them. And so we don't have a massive customer base, right? We just got started. So um, retaining customers is just about providing them with a great experience, but the whole, the whole game for us is in attracting new customers and making and, and kind of encouraging them to come try the Aero product. We have very high repeat rates. Once people try it, they love it. So what do you, what do you, go ahead. I was going to say, what are you doing with the data that you do have with the, um, your new customers since you launched? Are you doing anything? Yeah, else? We're, we're really trying to rethink loyalty, right? Because we don't have, because we're not serving business class customers, we have to rethink the loyalty equation. And so we're 
we are really focused on who our customers are and what their personal preferences are and providing a bespoke experience. Um, so that's what we're focused on is like, how do we actually curate this experience for, for our customers? So there's going to be a, a frequent flyer program somewhere down the line? Uh, maybe. That's what we're trying <laughs> to think about. Like, um, frequent flyer programs, like, right, like the, the reason that you like frequent flyer programs is because you value either loyalty and frequency if you're a business traveler right. um, and you accrue miles so that you can spend them on leisure, but you're flying here for leisure. So what is the, what does that loyalty program look like is a real question that we're thinking through. Yeah. So I noticed all your planes have this sleek, all black paint job. Is that part of the branding or is it something more technical? Uh, no, that is part of the branding. Conventional wisdom in aviation is don't paint the planes black because black paint is slightly heavier and it's hot and you have to cool the airplane. But what really distinguishes us is these really sleek black airplanes. So what, and why did you choose Embraer? Um, it was the best product for the, for this market. You know, in private aircraft design must comply with a range of requirements to make sure, you know, they are aviation safe and up to standard. And this includes, you know, carefully considering how the space is within the jet are laid out and what furniture is chosen and the materials that are used, et cetera. So what was the thinking behind the designing the luxurious interiors of aero jets while still complying with the safety requirements? Well, I mean, um, our senior designer comes from Teague, which is Boeing's uh, in-house design firm. Um, and so we are, we're blessed with a lot of aviation expertise um, and we know how to do that. And so uh, we work with, um, we work with, uh, you know, an mRNO house that will only present you materials that are burn tested, et cetera, et cetera. So we like, we know how to do that. Um, the thinking was uh, we took what was a regional jet, like an, an American Airlines regional shuttle and turned it into something that's very premium. What are you hearing from uh, their customers? What what are they saying? What 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 are what are they saying that they love about the brand? They love the service. And when I talk to customers, they're always like, "Oh my goodness, we have this concierge, and she's so amazing." And they call her like our concierge, which is really quite funny. Um, <laughs> oh, we have this concierge, and she'll do this for us. <laughs> and it's just like we go out of our way on the customer service side, which is really cool. And then um, on the um on the experience side to really make sure people have a fabulous experience because that's what that's what they're buying they're buying a fabulous seamless uh branded experience yeah i mean that's kind of the question i'm trying to get at is this whole idea of talk worthiness experiences and a lot of successful brands are differentiating themselves and finding new ways to delight customers through these unexpected talk worthiness signature moments so would you think those, you know, the experience with the concierge are really the talk worthiness experiences around the service? Yeah. And I think the destinations and the brand, I think like um, you never, like it's never one factor that goes into making a brand really cool, right? It's, it's a bunch of things. It's the look and feel coupled with the, like the way you show up in the world, um, you know, why is Patagonia cool relative to other outerwear makers, right? It's a bunch of things. It's their commitment to the climate. It's like the way things look and feel. It's it's all of it kind of sings together. Um, and I think that's true with us too, when you talk about the talk worthy piece of it. You know, private jet travel isn't considered particularly green. You know, private flights are considerably less efficient and personal carpet footprint of passengers who choose to travel this way is much higher. So what is Aero doing to better preserve the environment? Aha. I'm so glad you asked me that question um, because I agree 100%. And so we are doing a few things. So the first thing is Aero is semi-private, right? So people, our customers are largely people that would have flown private otherwise. 
but we're a much better alternative because we we give you the private experience, um, but your uh, for your carbon footprint is much smaller, right? Because you're flying with other people on on an aircraft. Um, the other things we're doing is so I I think a lot, and I sit on the board of a company called Volocopter, which is an electric aviation um, uh, an electric aircraft startup, and I think a lot about alternative propulsion systems. So uh, you know, distributed electric propulsion, hydrogen. Um, you know, hybrid electric. The reality in aviation is that none of these are really viable in the short term. Uh, we're looking at very long development cycles for the regional aircraft use case, right? There's just batteries are not good enough today. And so, um, and, you know, hydrogen is still dangerous. And so there's all these things that are not quite there yet. They're, everyone is working on it. You know, Siemens put hundreds of millions of dollars into electric aviation. Airbus is working on hydrogen. Um, everyone's working on it and, and it's coming, right? Better, better technologies are coming. But um, in the short term, uh, what we are doing, we're taking a kind of a systematic step-by-step -step approach. As a first pass, we are planting trees. Um, I don't believe in carbon offsets. I think it's just clever financial engineering. So what we're doing is we've partnered with an organization called One Tree Planted and we donate uh, $10 from every seat we sell to One Tree Planted. Um, as a second step, we have approvals to use um, biofuels, so a 70-30 biofuel blend out of Van Nuys, um, and that's really exciting for us because it's 25% uh, reduction in emissions. Um, and then we're working on getting approvals for other, other blends of, of sustainable jet A. And I think that's the big play, I think. Really clean burning fuels is going to be the answer in the kind of medium term for regional aircraft. Um, and then ultimately we will, I mean, I'm, we're talking to everyone at the moment. So ultimately we will sign an LOI with uh, an electric vehicle manufacturer, but we wanted to do something about it today. Um, that's, yeah, really, that's great. So Are you, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. We're going to finish your thought. I was going to say one of the advantages of being, of serving the premium customer is because, um, because we, you know, at a premium price, we're able to offer a more premium service and, and premium um, sustainable alternative fuels are a slightly more expensive, but we've got the margin to do that. If we were, you know, Allegiant, we probably wouldn't be able to afford sustainable alternative fuels uh, today. So that's something we're excited about. Since you launched, have uh, have you gotten any ideas from passengers who said, hey, you know, you should think about doing this? We get a lot of suggestions on destinations, a lot of please, please, please come to New York. And then we get a lot of, um, you know, feedback around like, oh, can you do this for me? And then we, we have so much demand. Um, so, you know, trying to get your Cavapoos to Europe or your Cavaliers to Europe is really hard. There's so <laughs> much demand for dog, like dog friendly air travel. It's just like, why is it so hard? Um, and so uh, we're, that's a huge opportunity for us. We really, I'm personally very passionate about it. Um, and so we are really thinking through how to make our furry friends have a great, great travel experience as well. You know, you make the experience special for passengers who are going from A to B and making it an experience. Are you working with any other like luxury hospitality partners to really complete the full experiences brands that you feel that are you know, brand right? We are working with a bunch of brands. So on the concierge side, um, we've worked with Soho House and Velocity Black and quintessentially uh, on the hotel side. Seven Pines, Kempinski, and a range of brands, um, you know, the Hotel Jerome in Aspen, the W in Aspen. So we really think through um, partnerships that make sense where the brands are aligned. Um, so that's a really, um, 
really exciting opportunity for us. And, and we look for partners that look and feel like Aero, that care about their customers the way Aero cares about our customers. So I want to ask you a question about the future of aviation. You know, as the post-COVID-19 reality dawns, you know, a plan is urgently needed to reestablish passenger confidence. So what should the future of aviation look like short and long-term to forge a path to recovery? Um, I don't think customer confidence is a problem in aviation. Um, I just flew back on Southwest from San Diego uh, and every single seat was full. And then uh, my uh, um, chief marketing officer just flew back to London on a British Airways flight that was nearly full. Mm. Um, travel demand, there's so much pent up travel demand, it's gonna come back with a vengeance. Yeah. I think it's a very, very small portion of people that are actually still worried about it. Um, most people are just like, get me out of here. Just right, yeah, I'm one of them. Where do you think private aviation and aero specifically fit into that whole plan? I think we are we are today and will continue to be a great um, a great solution for people that want a better experience. Um, and we are, you know, we're really looking forward to adding more destinations and and serving a really kind of discerning customer, a curated customer. So that's that's how I think we'll fit into the travel equation. So what do you think the next few years look like for Aero? You know, what other destinations do you have on your radar right now in the U.S. and in Europe too, or anywhere else? Global domination. No, uh, <laughs> of be, course, uh, we'll have a uh, we'll have strong presence across the uh, across the U.S. and in, in kind of key cities, um, L.A., New York, Miami, Dallas, uh, to various destinations, um, and then in Europe. Similarly, we'll probably serve markets out of London. Uh, so a lot of demand for you know Malaga and Mallorca and Olvia and Naples and places that I would love to go to, but we don't have enough aircraft at the moment. So we're still a series A startup. So we're working to, um, to like really kind of, uh, kind of ramp up, um, and, and scale quickly. So that's, that's the goal. That's great. So my final question, which I ask all my guests is the luxury item question. So if you were stranded on a deserted Island and you could only have one luxury item with you, what luxury item would that be? It can't be any form of air transportation or anything that requires mobile service. It's just you, a couple of palm trees and sand and water. What would that my one look? My very high maintenance Cavapoos. Um, <laughs> so your Cavapoos. Uh, well, I guess they would have to be on this deserted island. I'm not sure what I'd do without them. So that's, uh, a, that's a luxury item. So is that the one luxury item or two luxury items you would have with you? That's the two luxury items I would have with <laughs> So. Well, as a uh, owner of a Cavalier King Charles, um, I could appreciate that. Uh, Uma Subramanian, Chief Executive Officer of Aero, thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Thank you, Scott. That was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.